Hey everybody, this is your host Sean King with my Youth On Record. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program to bring you stories, observations, and interviews from community artists who, like you, are experiencing the unprecedented, the mundane, the absurd, and the interrupted daily life in a world that changed nearly overnight. My name is Juicebox of Paradise, and I'm your co-host for My Youth On Record Interrupted a podcast where we explore how artists' personal, professional, and creative lives are transforming in the time of coronavirus. Hi, I'm Sean King. Today, our guest is Jamie Duffy. Jamie is a visual artist, community organizer, social justice educator, the executive director of Youth on Record, and one of the producers of this podcast. We invited Jamie to be our first guest on My Youth on Record Interrupted because her story conveys the ways in which living in a time of quarantine creates new spaces for artists to develop their personal and creative selves. Early on during this pandemic, Jamie spent a day with a friend painting in some of Denver's interstitial spaces, the in-between places. Jamie's first foray into, as she describes it, this holy American art form was a transformative experience and one she will not soon forget. Hey there, this is Jamie Duffy with Youth on Record, and this is my story. Um, So about a week ago, I found myself walking along train tracks in North Denver. And every so often, I would stop and write a little something on the side of the train. This is something I have never done before, and it's something I will probably never do again. Um, But as I was doing this, uh, I was not alone. I was there with a friend who was about 20 feet ahead of me doing the same thing. Now, a little backstory here. Um, You know, I've been sort of in self-quarantine for a couple weeks. And the only place I go outside of my house is my art studio. And I pulled up to my art studio and there was this derailed train outside the studio and it was kind of haunting and beautiful. And I started taking pictures. Well, I have a friend who saw those who is a graffiti artist. And he was like, oh my God, we got to go paint that train. And never in my life would I consider painting a train. I mean, I'm not... Uh, you know, I could be a bit of a rule breaker, but not as much of a lawbreaker. And also, this friend and I have gone round and round and round about graffiti art. I've really tried to understand his perspective around it, but also, um, I've always been worried about his safety and uh, the legality of it. And, um, you know, and, and there have been a few times where, you know, he's kind of had a run in with the law. And I, my protective energy didn't want him to do anything that could put him in harm's way. But for years, he's been trying to explain to me the value of this for him. And I never totally got it. But for some some reason, because we're in a new world, I was like, okay, let's go paint trains. So he and I met up. The train that derailed had been taken apart. So uh, he kind of led me on a little bit of a wild goose chase throughout the city to go find some trains. And that's when I found myself on the tracks. 
he looked at me as we were, we had been on the tracks for about an hour and we hadn't said anything to each other. We were just walking and painting. And in some ways it felt like a walking meditation. And he looked back at me and said, do you get it now? And I did. I totally got it. In this moment of coronavirus, there's this hashtag called alone together. But alone together um, is actually a spiritual practice that folks have been talking about for decades. This idea that we can be in solitude and be in meditation and be kind of in a spiritual practice that is all our own around other people. And that's exactly what was happening on these these, uh, train tracks. And so anyway, my friend says to me, this is totally a meditation for me. He said, this is how it always is. You can be out here with 10, 15 people and nobody's saying anything, but they're just making their own art and we're all kind of in solidarity together. And it was such a precious moment because not only did I understand a bit more about graffiti culture, but I understood a bit more about the heart of my friend who I've known for 10 years. And I just, I can't help but think that it had to be this moment when we were quarantined and everything seems to be off the rails, excuse the pun, um, for to get me out of my comfort zone to go participate in something that's so important to my friend. Welcome, Jamie Duffy. Hey. Hi, Juice Fox. Hi, Sean. Uh, I think the listeners should know that you have you have a lot of people that kind of look to you as like a, a community pillar. You know, how do you how do you stop working and just and just accept who you are in this wacky time and not take on are you able to hang up the community pillar on on a rack and then put it on Monday morning? I try to be self-reflective. I have a rich spiritual life. Um, But I have this idea right now that we're all in our own master class. And it's our own. Nobody else is in your master class. So like nobody else can do your homework for you. And I can't do other people's homework for them. Like I am in a life class right now. And that has maybe been the most profound lesson for me during this time. Because when you wear that, and thank you for saying community pillar, that's kind of hilarious and I feel really weird right now. But <laughs> but when you think about that, yeah, I do. I have a, a lot of folks in our community, our Youth on Record team, community members, my friends and my family who um, come to me for, for support. And I am so happy to offer that. But The idea that I can't do other people's homework right now has changed the way I show up with and for people. Uh, I'm curious because you said in your story that while you were painting this train, it was a big moment of clarity and meditation for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So the realization that you just talked about with not being able to be everybody's teacher at this time, um, was that something? Like, did you have that realization while you were out painting or did you learn that beforehand? That's such a good question. I think it was all kind of tied up because this friend of mine who I went painting with is younger than I am, uh, pretty significantly. I mean, he's, you know, 
12, 13, 14 years younger than I am. And our the way we had shown up with each other in some ways was a little bit teacher student or like auntie, you know, uh, nephew. And I was kind of all his in that moment. Um, he had to show me where to go, how to do this. He even brought art supplies for me, even though I'm an artist, like he, he showed me the materials to use and I had absolutely no resistance about it. I was very Zen mind about it because I was a little nervous. I was like, oh man. And he's been doing this since he was a kid. And so, um, I had to really learn from him and really trust him. And it felt, it felt really wonderful to not be in charge, um, to not know what was going to happen, to not know how to do it, to just uh, follow his lead uh, was actually such a breath of fresh air. And I think because I didn't have to manage the situation, I just really had to follow. Um, I was actually able to get into a sort of meditative state and it happened rather quickly. It's like, I was walking slowly and you could hear the rocks sort of crunching. Um, it was really quiet. The sun was setting. There were no trains whizzing by. So it was quiet, but not in an eerie way. And so I think that really, um, just that moment added to my learning. And what does it look like for me to not lead and not be in charge all the time? Um, in that moment, it felt really, really good. So I would like to say I'd be able to keep <laughs> just letting other people lead all the time, but that's <laughs> definitely a lifelong uh, archetype I'm going to have to look out for. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for kind of bringing that up and reminding me that I was totally a student in that moment. And it felt um, that role revel- reversal was actually really comforting to me. That's beautiful. Yeah. Did you uh, use spray paint? We did it. So this is a funny thing. So I, you guys, I was like totally ready to spray paint. And um, he had a bunch of paint. I think because he probably felt a certain amount of responsibility for me. Like, oh my God, like if she gets in trouble or like if the cops actually do cut, like I think he was probably a little bit like, oh, I don't want to take that on. So I think he just gave us the materials that were the least amount of risk, which uh, were were like paint pens, uh, like oil paint pens. I think he just wanted me to ease into it. Um, and I don't know what he would say. I think he might also say that there's a sacredness to this and that there is a community who does this. And I am a 38-year-old white woman who has no business engaging in graffiti art as just like my next hobby, which I would never consider doing because, um, you know, I understand the deep roots of graffiti art and graffiti culture in hip-hop culture, and that is not mine. And it's not mine to take. And he and I actually kind of joked about this. I was like, damn, I hope like... (laughs) 
I hope a bunch of like middle-aged white folks don't find out about this as like the next like meditative <laughs> practice. And all of a sudden this becomes like the new yoga for them. And he's like, oh mm. no, like don't let that happen. I was like, I won't, I won't let it happen. But I also, he was maybe just like worried that like if I got excited, if I like got arrested on his watch doing his thing, he like might feel really bad about it. Mm. <laughs> so he he watched out for me. I had one thing that I wanted to touch on because you talk about having a little bit of reservation um, for graffiti and specifically like for your friend doing it. So I'm just wondering what those reservations were and where they come from. Yeah, that's such a good question. With graffiti, I uh, I don't have reservations about the form of art itself. It doesn't bother me that people uh, like paint and uh, express themselves I don't really care that much that it's uh, on public buildings, although I do get it. Like if somebody came and tagged up the youth media studio, I'd be like, okay, we got to clean that off. You know, like that would bum me out. Um, But some of it, like the graffiti that I think about is so unbelievably artistic and it is a wholly American art form. So my reservation isn't so much about the art form of graffiti. It is very particularly tied to my friend who... um, is a man of color who, if he gets picked up, there is a chance that he is going to be treated unfairly. Um, and the older he's gotten, the more I've seen he has more to lose. Um, and so it's more about, it's more of that like, uh, sort of like Auntie Jamie and me, who is is like, you're too old for this now. You've got too much to lose. You've got a great job. You've got a great community. And so, and he was honest with me. He's like, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is the safest thing. So I'll tell you guys, we did have a moment where, so I love this person so much. And this person feels like family to me. Um, if if I have had past lives, he's been in them. Like he, I have a soul connection to him. I, I love him and I feel protective over him in the way that I would, yeah, like a nephew and um, there's something real deep there. And I worry about him. I worry that I will lose him uh, to a sort of unjust system a lot. And I realized when we were, we talked about that. We talked about that when we were painting and I had to express that to him. I said, I just, the thought of losing you is, it's more than I can bear. And, but spending that day with him he said, you know, yeah, there's a chance. But if I were to go this way, it's the thing I love the most in the world. And the fact that he said that to me during this coronavirus time, when people are dying, not doing what they love, but just because God forbid they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and got the wrong virus in the wrong country that didn't prepare Like, that is what hit me. I was like, I am going to lose him. I hope I go first. I'm older. I should. But, you know, it's like there is that chance. And and we're going to lose every single person we love or they're going to lose us. And it really made me think about what's the best way to go. You don't have time that's guaranteed. We always talk about people dying young and what a shame it is. But there's no shame in that you have a moment and your moment comes and then you go somewhere else. But 
it, it gave me a sense of peace. I'm like, if something were to happen to him, I'm sure I would be an absolute disaster, but I will always have that day with him. I will always have the moment that I know this is the love of his life, this art form. And so, you know, it, it taught me a lot and it gave me a little bit of peace around something that's given me a lot of anxiety, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a lucky moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those like top five lifer moments, uh, which I wasn't expecting. Um, we'll all look back on this time, God willing, uh, in 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. And there's a lot that's going to come up for us about this time. Um, but that afternoon on the train tracks with my pal, um, that, that will be the thing that brings me back. It's almost like that's become the anchor. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And there's, there's a lot of emotion around it because like I said, there's, there's some deep stuff with me and this friend and it was a moment of letting go too. It's like letting go this protector energy over this now grown man. I mean, I met him when he was a teenager, but he's a, I don't have children of my own and I don't consider him my child. And he certainly doesn't consider me his mother. He already has a great mom. Um, but there is sort of a maternal quality there. And at some point you've got to let the young people in your life be the human beings that they are. And, um, and, and that showed me that I have to do that with him too. Yeah. Right on, right on. Jamie Duffy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. This has been a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys. So grateful to be a part of it. And thanks for, thanks for letting me share my story. I'm usually on the other end of this podcast. So thanks so much. My Youth on Record Interrupted is a program of Youth on Record. It was produced by Jamie Duffy and David Layden, with the assistance of July Jones and Luis Palacio. Sound engineers were David Layden and Jesus Rodriguez. Podcast operations managers were Mona Magno and Al Neff, with marketing and media direction by Andrea Villario Murphy. Original music for this episode was written by Sean King and July Jones. For more information, visit youthonrecord.org. Do you have a story you want to share? We want to hear from you. Find out how to submit your own story at youthonrecord.org slash myyouthonrecord. 